Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. You know, just as um, the elevator music was playing, I was brought back to a time where I actually took an elevator for the first time. Really, the first time I used an elevator was an uplifting experience, but then the second time really let me down. What have we got to hold up signs, applause and laugh and sigh? No. Goodness. All right. So, good morning, everyone. It's a privilege to be here. I'm humbled by this opportunity and I want to stand before you with great joy, but with much fear and trembling because I know that I will be held to an account with what I'm going to share with you this morning. I hope this message brings truth and encouragement to you. I hope it challenges you in some way and also, t- and also reaches you from a place of love. Forgive me in advance as I'll be mostly reading from my notes as I'm notorious for jumping on a train and getting lost. Also, I'll be reading a fair bit of scripture. I believe in letting the word speak for itself and the Holy Spirit interpret it to us in its context and what it means. Before I get into it, I want to share with you a story. So just know that I'm not, if I'm not looking at you, it doesn't mean I don't care. I love you guys, but trust me, I can talk and ear off a deaf person, okay? Just saying. All right. So mum and dad, they're actually here, along with my family and friends. Thanks for coming. Um, my mum and dad bought my sisters and I up really well. Among so many other things, they taught us how to understand the importance of value in others. Our parents, like most other parents in general, always want what's best for their children, right? They wanted to give us what they didn't have while they were growing up. They wanted us to live life to the fullest. While I was growing up, I didn't seem to show that I appreciated the life that was given to me and I was pretty mischievous in life and school and even after my school years and with friends. When we lived in Hong Kong, I was really young. Um, I enjoyed going to real this soccer stuff that you call it football you know 90% of the time the ball's in the foot not in your hands so real football yeah (laughs) I'm gonna get yeah um so I used to go to soccer training right football training um on Friday nights and when I used to come in from school during the week I used to um take my bike and ride it everywhere and anywhere I used to love riding my bike hey um I'd never really mean to do harm to others when I'd go out. I'd just do things that cause others a mis- uh, like a nuisance and then run away, you know? I'd never really, um, you know, do things to harm people. It was just mischievous. It was naughty. Um, and I was very unwise in my decisions after, like later on in life, which, meant, which led me to a different path. And by the grace of God, I was saved from that path. I was such a naughty kid. Like this one time I was coming home from school after doing something really stupid. I can't remember what I did, but I might, I, I might tell you if I remembered, right? But all I remember is coming out of the elevator again. As we were living in apartments in Hong Kong, I remember walking out to our floor when the elevator reached our floor and thinking I'm doomed, man. Not because, not because of something I did earlier, or, well, it was, but um, 
because of something I did earlier that day and because I knew my dad was home as well, you know? And sometimes if dad wasn't home for any reason, I'd try and make things right, like clean the dishes or sweep the floor or probably even do my homework before, um, you know, he got home. And I'd be extra nice to my mum, be like, oh, uh, is there anything you'd like me to do to help out around the house, you know? Just to try and make things last minute. Now, I'm going somewhere, um, you know, like try and fix things last minute, like, you know, sweep the floor, like, man, nine years old, who cares, you know, ten years old, or um, if all else failed, I'd go to my room and pretend to sleep, so that when I knew my dad finally got home, he wouldn't wake me up, and even that was depending on how stupid of a rampage I decided to take on the early, in the earlier day. Um, the worst part of it was that my dad knew what I had done, not just because he's my dad, and I know he loves me, and I know he knows me, but because of my teachers who were so diligent in their operations, they'd be sure to fulfil their duty of care and kindly notify him on my achievements and progress at school. You know? Ask him. He's right there. <laughs> um, and I should have been doing, doing my homework and washing the dishes and sweeping up the floor while I was at home anyway. I didn't have to wait till the last minute before my interrogation and my sentencing. Now, we're going to go through Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 13. But before I do, I'll just pray, Lord, would you bless the reading of your word and let it speak for itself, Father. I thank you for the authority and the sufficiency it carries, Lord. I just pray, um, you know, that you change us, Father. Let us, let us continue to be sanctified by your word. And um, thank you for your grace that we can stand here before you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with them, with, flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all these virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the ten virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. What a day that will be to enter the feast, that marriage feast, man. When the doors are shut behind us and we're on the inside of the doors and not the outside. To be celebrating with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an honour that will be. What an honour. And what a, what, what a blessing. And even, yeah, I'll go into it. I'm excited. Whew. All right. Anyway, now, um, I, I just hope you don't mind, but I'm going to be sharing a bit of um, commentary. It's not boring. It's actually really, really cool. Um, D.A. Carson in the Expositor's Bible Commentary. The overall and easily seen thrust of the parable is that Christ will return at an unknown hour and that his people must be ready. Being ready means preparing for whatever contingency arises in our lives and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus at all times while we eagerly await his coming. As seen in the fact that all the virgins were sleeping when the call came indicates that it, was, it doesn't matter what we're doing when Christ returns. We may be working, eating, sleeping or pursuing leisure activities. Whatever it is 
we must be doing it in such a way that we don't have to make things right or get more oil when he comes. But to either the coming of Christ or for his church or for the tribulation saints as they await his second coming. Being ready for Christ's return ultimately involves, now pay attention to this, one major thing that manifests itself in several areas of our lives. If we would be ready for Christ's return, we must be born again through, through saving faith in Jesus Christ. His death and burial, his literal resurrection from the dead, saving faith in Jesus Christ will manifest itself in every aspect of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, and if you're not sure what that is, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. According to Galatians 5.22 onwards. Will begin to show. So the fruit will begin to show. A desire for greater holiness and less sin will be apparent. One of the best passages articulating what saving grace and faith look like in a believer's life is Titus, of course, chapter two, verses one to four, uh, sorry, eleven to fourteen. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live upright and godly lives in this present age while we await for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good who gave himself for us to, to who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own and eager to do what is good. The five virgins who took extra oil represent the truly born again. Now, just before I continue with this, I'm sorry if I offend you this morning. But, you know what? It's cool. Like, it's fine. Because we need to know, as a church and as believers, and as we're going to continue walking in the light, that there are some things that we don't do perfectly. Right? I mean, hands up if you're perfect. But greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world, hey? That's right. Anyway. Um, the, five extra virgins, uh, the five virgins who took the extra oil represent the truly born again who are looking with eagerness to the coming of Christ. They have saving faith and have determined that whatever occurs, it will be, be at a lengthy time or adverse circumstances when Jesus returns. They will be looking with eagerness. The five virgins without the oil represent false believers who enjoy the benefits of the Christian community without the true love of Christ or love for Christ. They are more concerned about the party than about longing to see the bridegroom. Their hope is, their hope is that their association with true believers, to give us some of your oil in verse 8, will bring them to the kingdom at the end. This, of course, is never the case. One person's faith in Jesus cannot save another. The Lord, Lord, in I do not know you, or verses 11 and 12, fit very well in Jesus' condemnation of the false believers of Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, not just let them know by email, I will declare to you, I will declare to them 
that I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I know in the Bible it teaches, if you're wondering what lawlessness is, it's sin. Sin is lawlessness. It talks about that in 1 John. May we not be found going away to make the purchase when Christ returns. Take the time now to fill your lamp with oil and take extra along. Keep waiting and watching with joy and anticipation. That was from D.A. Carson's in the Expositor's Bible Commentary. You with me? I know it's hot, but that's okay. Now, Matthew, 4, Matthew 24, 36 says, But concerning the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Don't be like the unwise virgins who thought it would be all right to ask the wise for their oil, who were not ready, and the oil in their lamps were running out. Rather be like the wise. Their lamps were filled with oil. They also took oil in flasks so their lamps could stay lit before the bridegroom came, as there was a delay. Only God knows. You know, but we may not know, so let's not be found last minute, you know? For when the verse 3 of um, chapter 25 um, of Matthew says, For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom came, there was, you know, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a cry, you know, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, while they were trying to make things right, while they were trying to fill up their lamps last minute, the bridegroom came, and for those who were ready, went in to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward... The other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. <laughs> Watch therefore, for you do not know, for you neither know the day or the hour. How hectic would that be? I don't know you. What? But I did all these things for you in your name, you know? That's pretty confronting. And it's pretty scary if you ask me. I'm not ready. And that's why it's important to know who he is and who we are. You know? <laughs> Thanks. Now, don't procrastinate and think it'll be okay to rest in him later, read his word later, you know, seek him later, fill up our lamps later, or it'll be too late and the doors of the, sh- or the, doors of the feast will be shut and we don't want to be on the outside. You know, like Noah's Ark. You know, everyone else drowned and they were, you know, God followed, God obeyed, and God said, do this and do that. And God shut the doors to the ark, and he flooded the earth, right? You want to be on the inside before that door shuts for the marriage feast, you know? (laughs) It's hectic. Like, you don't want to, yeah, you know? Do you know what I mean? You know, like, that's scary stuff. It scares me. You know, it it just shows every day, right, I think about this scripture, uh, not every day I lied, but most of the time, whenever I think about my salvation or whenever I think about doing things from works or or doing good things, like even in my life, whatever decisions I make and stuff, am I doing it unto the Lord? Have I got a personal relationship with him? Am I seeking him every day? Am I leaning leaning on him every day? Am I depending on him? Are my decisions honoring him? You know what I mean? 
Not, oh, you know, but we did all these things. Scary stuff. And also don't be like younger me when I knew it was too late before my dad came home to do some tidy up, you know, around the house so that I had something to show because of the mess I made while I was going out before I came home. Asking around if there's anything I could do to make things right. Sometimes my dad calls me lastminute.com, <laughs> implying my amazing ability to put things off to the last minute, which I'm still working on. I must say, my dad isn't wrong. But, and you know, and by the way, I do hope you understand why I told that story in the, in, at the start. There may be some of you today, there may be some of you today um, that may be asking, who is this Jesus? You know, who is he? You may even have your own preconceived ideas. Maybe even the world has told you that you are your own God. Little G, you know, um, you know, do what makes you happy. YOLO, you know, you only live once. You control your life. It's your path. All this man-made garbage, you know. They've told you something completely wrong and shown you a distorted view of God as in the one true God, the God, the loving Father, the Alpha and the Omega and the giver of life, the, the protector, the provider and our refuge and our only hope. Thanks. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 2 clearly teaches us that there is only one mediator between God and man and that man is Jesus. He came to save us. Oh, good question. What did he come to save us from? Our sin. But what did our sin deserve? Has anyone actually ever thought? Well, the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. His anger that was meant for us, like all of us, toward the whole of mankind, because of our sin and people turning away, and living for ourselves and self-seeking, you know, breaking God's laws, taking part in all sorts of things that are unholy. God's wrath in all its fullness that was meant for us, he pointed it at Jesus Christ, his only son. Jesus lived the perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice once and for all. His gospel brings us peace. It brings us hope and eternal life. This is the good news, church, that Jesus came to bring life, eternal life, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind and let the lame walk. He, gave, he came so that we may be made alive in him, that he came to set us free and free us from the curse of sin and death and that we may be made right with the Father and be reconciled to him through Christ. What was once dead is now alive in Christ. I know, we were all dead. I was dead. I was alive, but I was dead spiritually. There was no conviction. There was no, no realisation of what good was and what bad was. You know? He is with us all the way, and he's the true vine. Someone said, someone said to me, one of my friend's dad's right, he said, when you're in the vine, when Jesus is the vine and we're the branches, could you picture it? We just have to rest in that. We don't have to, like like connect ourselves and engraft ourselves into the, brand, into the vine that's already there. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Like the, the ones that aren't producing fruit, he will prune. <laughs> he will cut, you know? But when we are in him and when he is the vine and we know that and we believe it, all we have to do is rest. You don't actually have to do anything. Or you have to die to self and, you know, pray and read your word. But that all kind of comes from 
you can't ever, ever actually do good works to earn your salvation, but the good works, I believe, are a fruit of that, of that relationship with God, of that salvation, of that joyous light that He gives us. True? Now, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him to be, no, to be sin who knew no sin. Gee, gee, wrap your head around that. We are so sinful, yet Jesus, in all His life, he fulfilled the requirements of the law. He was so, he didn't, you know, like he is holy and he's righteous and he was good and there was no sin in him. How many times have we sinned already from waking up? How many, you know, <laughs> you know, how many judgmental thoughts have we had? Or how many, um, you know, sinful thoughts or how many sinful actions or how many swear words or how many, um, you know, if, you, if you're ever actually wondering what sin is and stuff, read Galatians chapter 5. It talks about the sinful nature and how they're evident and the acts of the sinful nature and stuff like that. And then on the, just like a couple of verses later, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So I encourage you to read Galatians 5. Um, but he who knew no sin was sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you with me? Who by the power of the Spirit was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is Lord and Lord of all. He who was and is and is to come. Now Romans 5 chapter 12. No, Romans chapter 5 verses 12 onwards says, there is, Therefore as sin, just as sin came into the world through one man. If you're wondering who that is, it's Adam. Right? Yeah. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over to those who were sinning was not like the trans... Even over to those sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many? You see the transaction? As the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. And the free gift, oopsies, for if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? See, Adam sinned and Jesus was a perfect sacrifice. I hope we understand Therefore, verse 18, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justif justification for all men. For as, I know it's pretty, like, tricky to say. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, to put it in. But, the, but by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. We can live as Adams, we can live in our... In our sin, you know, but what are we going to do? 
we're going to continue to live in sin? Are we going to continue to try and do it by works? And I was, I was yesterday, and I was encouraged not to mix up grace and law. <laughs> there is no law in grace. That's why it's amazing grace. You know, and I'll go into that just quickly as well. But verse, um, verse 20 onwards, now the law came to into the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, in no way am I saying my parents are God and anything like that, but I'm glad my God gave, my, gave me my parents, like my parents, my sisters, like my sisters, and um, like a family, like my family, you know? Um, what I am saying is this, as my parents knew what I was getting up to, when I was getting up to no good, and at times, even before I admitted and confessed that me knowing the consequences would be, and how much of trouble I'd be in, so our Heavenly Father knows us. He sees it all, and He knows our hearts, and He knows the voids we are trying to fill, and the only empty and not so good parts of our lives, all the shameful things and things we aren't so proud of. He knows it all, and it's nothing he hasn't seen before. He knows our every need, and he has taken care of the birds of the air. How much more does he care for us? Yet still he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Without Christ, we're doomed. That's the bottom line. I know I am, because it's not on my merit, or what I have done, that I enter the kingdom but on Christ and what he has done. He is the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. Now grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Yeah? But mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Does, it, does that encourage us to kind of take a different perspective to God's mercies that are new every day? <laughs> and God is good and his love endures forever. He gives us grace. He is rich in love and slow to anger. We need to put our trust in the Lord Jesus. Read our Bibles every day. I'm telling myself this too. But we need to read our Bibles every day. I'm telling we need to repent from our ways. We need to repent from our sin and we need to turn from our ways. May our response be to him that of an obedient heart to his will for our lives, ultimately for his glory. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abide in him. Seek him. And seek him with all our heart. May our heart find hope and joy in him. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you blameless, blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all. Thanks. Oh, it's short.
Um, and he's, he restores, guys, you know, like he restores. He restores and he, and he gives life. He is love. You know, he is light. He's, sometimes it helps to understand and just continue to ponder. You know, if I don't know what to pray sometimes, the Our Father is always good because when the disciples ask Jesus, what do I pray, you know, and he said, this is how you pray. But I've been reading the Psalms lately and stuff, and like, I just rest. Lord, you are my shield. You know, you are, you are good. You are righteous. You are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my hope. You know, it's not like, Lord, what can I do to better this? Or what can I do or to do this and do that? Do you know what I'm saying? Rest in the scriptures. Let speak. Let God speak to you through his word. It was inspired by the Spirit. It says in the Word that every word in there is God-breathed in the Bible. You know, that's God speaking to us. You know, and, and He is good. And He holds such a high standard. Like, because He's good. He is good. There's no sin in Him. He is good. And we are not. You know, and He sent His Son, man. You know, I don't know how many, you know, people have said this heaps in church and stuff, but how many people would... I wouldn't send my son when I have my son for a world so undeserving. You know what I mean? For scarcely a uh, what does it say? For scarcely a good man would die. It talks about that. But like, really, why would it, why would someone good do that? How could it be? Oh, his grace is never failing. His love endures forever. You know, he is worthy, and he's a king. And how good will it be on that day? Behold, the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is here. Get up. And we enter and we walk into the feast. And we're there. And we're at this banquet, man. And we're just eating. And we're going to reign with him. And, and, and I just know that that's going to be a cool time. It's going to be such a cool time, man. Um, but I just know that I don't want to be on the outside Remember that the good works that we do as Christians are a fruit of the relationship and the salvation and the faith that we have in Christ. And he grants that to us. He grants us the faith. He grants us the repentance. He gives us this. You think I could have ever um, thought about some, some super cool prayer to earn God's salvation? Like, oh, Lord, I can say all these good things. He's after my heart, man. And he wants to do something in me and he wants to do something in you. And he's not going to continue, he's not going to, he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, right? Like, he's the king of kings. He knows our hairs on our head. He determines every star up there. He knows them by name. And we are here, a people sometimes so lost in our ways. We gather together this morning and we worship this king of kings and the lord of lords. He's so patient with us. He's so kind and he's so gentle and he rebukes us and he disciplines us. But then because that's because he loves us. Because a father disciplines those whom he loves, right? So I know I've, got, um, I've gone a little bit, like a little bit, tiny bit. I think I've only got two minutes left. But I'd like to sing you a song if that's okay. Some of us know it. Some of us may not. Um, I think we're going to put the words up there. Um, so feel free to stand and sing if you'd like. But... Um, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your grace, Lord, for your mercy. Your mercies that are new every morning, Lord. 
Thank you, Father, for, for your Holy Spirit, for your Son, Jesus. You know, we thank you for your word, Father, that speaks to us. And we just exalt you, Father. We lift you up, Father, though, you know, we might be in, in uncertain times, Father God. We thank you that you are sovereign and you are good. And thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.